Well, I, like uh, many of you, grew up uh, taking road trips with, with family members, road trips before flying was really something that was uh, very popular. And in the early 1960s, for those of you that were doing road trips then and even earlier, you may remember the, the motels with swimming pools in the middle of the parking lot surrounded by chain-link fences. You may remember the motel keys attached to a big piece of plastic that said postage will be paid by the motel itself. And my favorite, hopefully this slide can come up pretty quick, you may remember the magic finger machines <laughs> in which you would place a dime or actually it was a quarter in the slot to make the bed vibrate and shake atop the shag carpeting in the room. I wonder if I could find one of those things somewhere. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> In Vegas, okay. That might, never mind. <laughs> well, the good news is that while many people fly, lots of us still relish getting on the road. And on one of the earliest road trips my wife, Regina, and I took together was over 33 years ago. 34 years ago, we were in southern Arizona. And it is a desert, as you know, and it's rugged country. It's beautiful. And after exploring Organ Pipe Cactus National Monument, which is absolutely stunning, we decided to cross the border into Mexico, into the Sonoran Desert. And the point was, and our purpose was, we wanted to go to the Sierra del Pinacate, which is a group of volcanic cones and Mars. That's a picture of one of, one of, the, volcanic or, uh, one of the volcanoes, one of the extinct ones. Well, when we were there, we were basically the only people there. We hiked, we drove on unimproved roads, and we took in all the spectacular scenery. And by late afternoon, we decided it was time probably to head back into the U.S. As you can see, there were not many places to stay. So as we drove along a road in Mexico, I looked ahead, and I saw what I thought was a mirage on the road, because there are mirages, as you know, in the desert. But the closer we got, the less mirage-like it looked. A hundred yards away, I realized that what we saw were pickup trucks blocking the road. And our anxiety went through the roof when we got to the pickup trucks and saw a dozen or so heavily armed men. This was not an official Mexican government stop, likely cartel members managing their smuggling territory. So when we were stopped, I rolled all the windows down to make it clear we had nothing in the car of any interest, and we began to speak Spanish to these fellows. And they interrupted, and they wanted to know what we were doing, how much heroin we had, how much marijuana we were carrying, how many weapons we had, how much cash we had with us. And long story short, even though I thought for sure they would kill us, for some reason they accepted that indeed we were just a young couple exploring volcanoes. And we were of no threat to them. And so they told us to skedaddle and leave quickly, which we did. So I share this story because in some ways I believe that road trips serve as an apt metaphor for our lives. You see, sometimes metaphorically, whatever road we're on, we encounter a speed bump that just impedes our progress momentarily toward a goal for the day or a desire to begin doing something. An interruption happens, an inconvenience we hadn't anticipated. Something comes up that forces us to realign our to-do list for the day. 
Yes, whatever road we're on, all of us encounter speed bumps, and often they are quite minor. But at other times in life, for most, if not all of us, we run into a roadblock that is threatening, sometimes one we had not at all anticipated. And such roadblocks can discombobulate us, seemingly upend much of what is happening in life, fundamentally and suddenly alter our plans, or even put an end to a dream or hope for something we have wished for. A child develops a serious illness. Family relationships turn contentious. Cancer, heart disease, stroke, or some other huge deal arrives on the scene. Our mental health suddenly challenges. Somebody leaves us. We lose someone. We get fired. A spouse or a friend dies, or we have to move due to unforeseen circumstances that we do not welcome. Yes, stuff happens to each and every one of us. And this morning, I'd like to share just a few thoughts about just a few things to keep in mind when roadblocks come along in our lives. Now, I can't possibly get into everything there is on this subject. It's a vast subject. I could do an entire sermon series for a month on this subject because God gives us so much guidance as to what to do in Scripture as to when we encounter roadblocks and upheavals. This could even be a book. But today I just want to touch on just a few things to keep in mind that have struck me as being very relevant to where we are today. And the three things that I'd like to look at with you today are trust, love, and feelings. As I love acronyms, just remember TLF, trust, love, and feel, when roadblocks happen. Now our reading today from the lectionary that Regina read just happens to touch on the topic of trust in a big time way. Let's look at some of the background of this reading. Now Abraham and his wife Sarah, as we know, were called by God to begin a new journey in their old age. This was totally unanticipated. They had no idea what was going on or going to happen because their life was stable, but now their lives were going to be turned upside down by God. I love what one person writes about this, and I quote with slight adaptations. When God called Abraham and Sarah, it was a ticket to uncertainty and discomfort, sleeping in tents and living as a foreigner in foreign lands. Abraham and Sarah and their entourage were to be strangers in a new land. Yet they threw caution to the desert wind, cashed in AARP discounts, and made a home in the land that God showed them. And as if the journey was not enough, God interrupts Abraham and Sarah's geriatric retirement with a pediatric promise. They were going to have a baby. And so the story goes as we know it. But for Abraham and Sarah to do anything on any given day, they had to trust God. Had they not trusted God, the story that unfolded would not have happened. Our reading today is from the letter to the Hebrews. And in chapter 11, the writer gets into the issue of trust and trusting God, some of what it's about, and some examples of people who trusted God despite encountering major roadblocks in their lives. The writer defines trust in God as faith and defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for 
and the conviction of things not seen. Said another way, faith is trusting God that what we hope for will happen when it's all said and done and that what we cannot see is all around us. Putting this into my own words, faith or trust in God is indeed something that can happen when life is incredibly difficult. It is trusting God that what we hope our relationship with Jesus will be about will actually happen when it's all said and done. It's trusting all the promises we have been given. Not necessarily that a given circumstance will turn out the way that we want it to, but that things will be more than okay because of God when it's all said and done. Faith, or trusting God, as we learn in Scripture, is all about believing that life has a God-given purpose for each of us, that love is what matters the most, that forgiveness through the cross has been given to us, that in the end God prevails, that good overcomes evil, that eternity is ahead for us, that God never leaves our side, that we have lessons to learn in this short life, that suffering will one day be a thing of the past, that those we miss who are with God are more than okay, that we will be reunited with those that we love, that all will be well when it's all said and done. This is what trusting God means. It means all these things that we hope for that I just mentioned are actually so and will happen. But trust or faith, fundamentally, I believe, is realizing that this life on earth is not a book, but rather it is one small, tiny chapter in the book of the eternity of our existence. This life is a chapter of a much bigger book that we're all part of. Faith is about believing that. We may or may not make it through a specific roadblock that comes our way, but all will be well, all will be well from an eternal perspective, from the book of eternity. We all live. We all die. Trust or faith in God is knowing that this is the way it's supposed to be, and God has it covered in ways that we cannot imagine. If something does not make sense now, it will in the future. Trust is also about knowing that Jesus' tomb was empty and Easter awaits all of us. It is that kind of faith and trust that enabled Abraham and Sarah to do what they did in the midst of great uncertainty. They knew that their lives were simply a chapter in the eternal book of existence. But trust or faith is also about believing in what we cannot see. What can we not see? We cannot see all of those who have preceded us in this life who are with God. We cannot see the countless spirits that surround us 24-7. Scripture says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We can't see them. We cannot see what follows this life, all the good that lies ahead for each of us. We may not be able to see right now that all will be well, all will be well when it's said and done. We may not be able to see God acting in a certain situation at any given moment, but God is. We may not see the blessings that often come from a period of pain. This does not mean the pain is great, just that blessings often follow. 
I love what one rabbi writes. He writes, the deepest blessings we experience often come on the heels of profound and protracted suffering. We may wish it were not the case. We may even rail against God and the universe. Yet somehow, blessings often follow upon harrowing afflictions. And story after story in Scripture illustrates this. Trusting God gets us through. It enabled Abraham and Sarah to do all they did in their lives. And trusting God can be very difficult, but I will say that it's a gift we can receive from God. We need to ask God, please God, help me to trust you more than anything else. Help me to trust you, trust you, to trust you in this circumstance. Trusting God is not about the outcomes. It's about trusting God despite the outcome of a particular circumstance. Remember, life is a chapter of a book of our existence, not all of who we shall become. I also want to say, in just concluding comments about trust, that trust can also be an act of defiance toward that which we do not welcome into our lives. In my own life, there have been moments in which I've said, heck with this, heck with this situation, heck what this terrible thing is, I'm going to still trust God in this. Easy? Absolutely not. But sometimes trusting God as an act of defiance can empower us. But aside from trust, when we run into a roadblock, there's a whole deal of love. And as we talk about all the time here, God is love. Our identity is in the love of God. We are loved by God. And love is what, is what everything is about. And when we're thrown off track by something we did not invite into our lives, love can ground us if we remember that love is about what we do, not what we're feeling. When things are very difficult, sometimes when we ponder how to love God more, how to love other people more, and how to love ourselves more, through action can serve like a rudder on a boat keeping us moving in the right direction. When we focus on action based on love in the midst of our pain, it gets us back to the core of who we are and who God is. Circumstances can shake us to the core. But love helps us to remember what our core is really about. So while it might seem or feel counterintuitive, when the going gets rough, it's then, I believe, that God invites us into action. To act upon the answers to the questions of, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today to love God more? What am I going to do today to love other people more? What am I going to do today to love myself as God does? This is not a denial of pain and heartache. It's a response to it. Loving and loving God connects us with God as nothing else can. And it's such a connection we need when we're desperately hurting. So the last thing I want to talk about briefly today when roadblocks happen has everything to do with feelings and emotions. Stuffing, denying that something is really hard, minimizing heartache, none of these approaches are our friends. When roadblocks happen, I believe that God invites us to explore, to get into, to emote, 
and to share all of our feelings, all of them, to share our grief, to share our sadness, our hurt, our guilt, our anger, our angst. But in addition to those feelings, generally speaking, even with those hard feelings going on, generally speaking, there are other feelings also coexisting within us. For example, when things are not good, there remain many things for which we can feel gratitude, things to feel joy over, things to relish, things to celebrate, blessings that surround us. When things are hard, it's important to allow ourselves also to experience the feelings of humor that can happen. While it's not easy, when roadblocks happen, getting into our whole range of emotions brings us closer to other people, gives other people freedom to express their own feelings, moves us closer to God, and puts us in touch with the heart of Jesus. Now, speaking of humor, I was thinking about this. Uh, it's 40 years ago, my beloved grandmother died, and I was heartbroken. I was devastated. But in the middle of that, and I was expressing those feelings to those around us and around me, but in the middle of that, something happened that I paid attention to, and I was able to experience joy and some humor in the midst of my grief. You see, when I went to pick up my grandmother from the funeral home, she was in one of her travel suitcases, one that she had traveled with all over the world. It was this green, hard thing. And she had taken me on trips all over the world with this green, hard thing. So I get to LAX. And I stick the box on the x-ray machine, and the guy says, what's in the box? I said, my grandmother. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but it was a great reminder to me that even when we're heartbroken, there are things over which we can smile and rejoice, and it helps us get through roadblocks. So on this road trip called life, Clearly, there are so many blessings and joys and wonderful people and astonishing experiences and beauty and wonder and love. But there is not one of us here today that has ever gone through the chapter of life in the book of eternity without moments of significant challenges and pain. There's nobody here today that's immune from pain. And while the wise may sometimes be hard to come by, there is little doubt in my mind that God has give, gifted us with many ways to respond when roadblocks and heartaches happen. Scripture is full of guidance for us. Today I've spoken about just three. Trust, love, and feel. While there are other things, many things I did not get into, of the three I spoke about, trusting, loving, and feeling it all, which one might God be giving you a little nudge to focus upon with God's help and the help of others? Do you need God's help in trusting God despite what is happening right now? Do you need help from God in learning to take action and to take action by loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves by what we do? Do you need God's help with that? Do you need help with getting in touch with all of your emotions and learning to express them and to share them in places and spaces that are safe? Might you need help with all three? 
But wherever you are this morning, I'd like to invite us to spend a few moments in silent prayer, listening for God's voice about any roadblock we're faced with, listening for God's voice, being open to that Holy Spirit nudge that God may very well be giving each of us. And so let us take a few moments in prayer.